Welcome back, it's time for customers who click. While I do think images are probably the most important part of the website, copywriting heavily influences the message we craft on those images. Copywriting helps you craft a story that, you know, everything else is built around and without it, you'd, you'd have a pretty boring website, no matter you know how good a photography you get. Today's guest is Conrad Sanders, CEO of the Creative Copywriter. Great copywriters understand people, how they behave and how to target those behaviours. And that copywriting then influences your advertising, your imagery, and really should impact every touch point a customer has with your brand. Let's get Conrad on to find out how. Hi, Conrad. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind to uh, give us a, a bit of an introduction to yourself, your background? So I co-run an agency called The Creative Copywriter. Um, I'll give you the spiel, shall I? So in a nutshell, we blend the science of data-driven content strategy and psychology with the art of creative copywriting. Uh, to basically help brands get their words right at every step of the customer journey. Um, and we work with some big, sexy brands like Adidas, uh, Hyundai, Panasonic, TikTok, Geox, um, uh, quite a few who are in the e-commerce retail space and other industries as well. Regarding how I got here, uh, I mean, how long have you got? <laughs> I need to, how succinct should I be? Um uh, no, seconds. <laughs> I have to give you my, my agency journey. I started, my background was SEO and copywriting. I combined both those things. I found a gap in the market, demand for creative copywriting, hence the name of our agency. Um, I really grew it from that point on. You know, my, um, I was able to kind of build traffic to a site. Uh, I'm very big on branding, so create, we created a really strong, powerful brand and started pulling in you know, big brands and growing the agency from since 2014. And an important milestone, my wife, my my partner in crime and life uh, joined in 2017. She kind of became the yin to my yang. She's very much the organizational guru while I'm like the ADHD visionary, slightly more chaotic person. And really like that's where we really started to grow as an agency because the two really work quite well together. And, and here I add, yeah, sounds good. So, um, with copywriting, then how, how do you get? Because it's, it's a good one. It's a broad one in a sense. I think that first thing to 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 consider um, is is context. So uh, it's a broad question, but I, I want to make sure that people you know think uh, and understand that it is contextual, right? It depends where is that person, right? What's point A? Where do you want to take them to, right? Where are they clicking to? What's point B? And that. That would affect, you know, the kind of copying of your writing. But but still, in general, I will answer the question and I'll say that um, you know, there's 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 many ways, uh many different ways that you you'd want to kind of blend together to try to do you know, give your best efforts to, you know, get a customer or a prospect to click. And I'll start with intrigue. You wanna intrigue them enough to want to click right to find out what's on the other side to get to that place that you're sending them to and um you know curiosity is a very powerful human quality you know we are curious beings by nature that's where science and religion came from and it's a very powerful thing to harness um you'll probably know that from clickbaiters right clickbaiters uh use a whole lot of curiosity and intrigue they really put it through that lens um, and often you end up in some crappy ad, writ ad written article and it's not what you wanted, but it still works, right? Because the psychology is there and it's very hard for the part for the brain to resist, let's say a curiosity gap. So a little teaser of what's, what's to come, but not, 
the full picture and your brain just wants to close that gap. Um, so intrigue is definitely one of the factors. So um, this happens a lot, the clickbait stuff in sport journalism, just particularly football. So much. Every Everyone out there is just putting articles, you know, um, this club's star um, set to leave after X years or something, and they'll use a picture that will have, yeah. like, three of their top players in it, and they'll just be like, oh, well, what Rob, is it? And you, you can't, that's the thing. <laughs> you read one of the thing about clickbait. Yeah, you can't help it. It, it has a, a bad rep, right? For good reason, because often it's often, as I said, it, it is pushing you towards you know. Tom Cruise did this, and you never what happened next, you know, and you don't want to end up there. You don't want to read that article. It's often low, low quality, right? So the reward is not there. But the psychology that they use, we do use in copywriting for copyright headlines, and for good reason, right? Because it works. It harnesses that primal, innate sort of human. Um, quality there that you that's very hard to resist and we call that the curiosity gap that you've just kind of given one example um you know where you you tease them with a little bit of the information but you don't give the full picture as i said um and um one way to do it is just by using the words this or these so one of the most famous headlines in copywriting is um from from you know newspaper I, I believe written by john caples a hundred years ago in a, in a newspaper ad are you making these mistakes in english right so imagine if you're leafing through a newspaper and you suddenly read that especially if you're let's say um you know not a native speaker you're gonna think shit right what mistakes i need to read the body copy in order to find out the answer right so it's very clever because it's pulling you in and that's the job of copywriting is to get you to read the next sentence, right? And, it, and the job of the headline is to get you to read the hook, line, and so on and so forth. So that's what we need to do. We need to eat and treat them enough to read the body copy or in the digital world, it might be to click the link to get to that next step in the funnel or next step in the journey. Um, so intrigue is important. I would say removing barriers, right? Removing or reducing their perceived barriers to a point at which you know, you've lowered them to a point at which they feel comfortable and confident enough to click that link, to go to the next step or, or buy or purchase if that's, if the link is, you know, if, if we're asking them to, to click and purchase, you know, and there are ways to, to remove barriers um, and essentially build trust, build confidence. One way is social proof. I mean, very, very common and hugely important because again, the human brain makes shortcuts all the time right we have so many so much variety out there there's so much going on so much on our plates we're so busy that we don't have time to analyze and evaluate every single decision we made like every everything we purchase or, or even every like you know url we click to we don't have time to weigh up the pros and cons of everything so our brain makes shortcuts one of the shortcuts that we make is um you know is is this idea of the jones theory if everyone is doing something, it's probably going to be pretty good, right? If everyone else thinks that's a good product, it's likely to be a good product. That's a shortcut. We haven't gone and measured the product and tried it and tested it against 20 other products. We were assuming that if lots of other people, especially if they're like us, similar people to us, have enjoyed or, or you know said something good about that product, we're assuming and we make that shortcut that 
it, it's probably going to be a good fit for us. So social proof is is huge. You know, testimonials, case studies, case stories. Um, you know, even mentioning mentioning the number is huge. So I remember Mailchimp, for example. Um, obviously not e-commerce, but they used to just have on their on their homepage the amount of people using their product, and that was it. Yeah, well, a lot of a, a lot of B two B marketers will have you know join exactly x thousand other marketers reading this newsletter. I know Gusto, you know Gusto, the, the meal kit. Um, when you're in their sign up funnel, when you put your address in, it will say join x thousand other people in your area and it specifies your area it just makes you feel that's uh, great and i remember doing an interview customer interview with, uh, for a client um last year and someone actually said um i can't remember exactly what they said but it was basically um if this company's still around then other people must be buying it it was basically saying yeah like he trusts the fact that the company's been around for a few years and therefore it must be which which yeah and is a problem product. for startups right and and a kind of almost a a bit of a catch-22 scenario of if you're a, a new brand you're launching into a market then yeah it, it, it's it's a it's a tougher job for you to do so because you know how are you going to get that social proof without winning those customers in the first place who are relying on social proof for you to win them, right? You're caught in this loop. So you have to just, you know, do what you can, yeah. don't you? especially in the e-commerce space. Um, yeah, reviews, naturally. Reviews just work well. And, and, and one step further than just kind of, you know, showing how many reviews you've got and, and what star rating you've got, I think there's a big opportunity often missed by e-commerce brands, which is, to do what we call review mining go through mine your reviews find what we call voice of customer language right pick out the words and phrases that they're using to describe the benefits that your product you know offers them and then weave that into your copy onto your landing page copy you know weave it into your brand messaging because then you're speaking in the voice of the type of people you're trying to convert and perhaps that's another bullet point on this list of what gets people to click you know resonating with them, personalizing, speaking in their voice um, is, is perhaps another one. And uh, yes, yeah. this will, I, I use that a lot in, in CRO, you know, trying to identify, um, maybe don't use their exact voice that much, but it's it, how do they talk about a product? How do we, um, and, and what are their pain points and things? But sometimes... It does depend a little bit on the products, but I was working with a jewelry brand a little while ago, and they, I think they described it as, uh, they might describe it as waterproof the jewelry. I think that was the key message they went with. And we did all these interviews, and literally every single person said they liked the fact that they never have to take the jewelry off. Um, the, they then kind of referenced it being related to water. Yeah, the fact that they, they don't have to take the rings off when they're washing their hands or whatever. So that that came up frequently, but the thing that every single person said was they'd never have to take it off. So that's the messaging that we started to run with on the website. And um, certainly well, I think it could be interesting if you kind of touched on a very important point when it comes to copywriting. Perhaps like uh, the first trick in the copywriting handbook, if there were such a thing, which is you know features versus benefits. 
right? So if you look at the two things you just mentioned, yeah. waterproof, right? Essentially, that's a feature. What does waterproof allow you to do? Why? And that's a, always a good question. It's like, why? why do, what does that matter? What does it allow you to do? What's the benefit? Um, it allows you to never take it off, right? That's the point. That's why waterproof is good. And so it's it naturally, that's what resonates with the audience, right? The benefit. So we, we like to say, you know, sell a good night's sleep, not the mattress, right? Not the kind of a soft mattress, sell a good night's sleep. That's what they're looking for. You do have to do both. But the, the, the benefits that, you know, I, I use desired outcome is the important thing. You know, if if I run through a checklist for a product, it could be a mattress, and I go, cool, you, you've said it's a king-size mattress. Um, it's got X number of springs or, or whatever. It's memory foam. Um, you know, this is how it's delivered, whatever. It's kind of ticking things off and going, okay, this works for me. But then you've still got to sell me uh-huh. on, like, the mattress, right? You're still going to give me a real reason. That speakers would benefit. It's like, it, it's both of them. But I think, you know, the... Yeah. The scenario you just described with the the waterproof jewelry brand, um, I would say that you took an outside in approach. And just for the for the listeners, um, I'm going to be mentioning the word lens quite a lot, as you know, Will, because we have this framework we call the 13 lenses. Um, I'm sure we'll be I'll be dripping them in here and there. But one of the lenses we call the outside in lens. And it's all about, as you can probably guess, going from the outside in rather than the inside out. Rather than going, I've got a product, right? I know, yeah. you know, I've got a product. I think I know what's going to resonate messaging-wise with my audience. It's this. Let's go for it. Let's put it out there. Let's, you know, whack a load of spend into pushing this message out. Go the other way around, you know, find out, as I did with the agency, what's the demand? What are they looking for? What are your what, what are your customers' needs? Talk to them, right? Gather data. That's what I'm trying to say. Gather data, insights, survey, interviews, all the all the yeah. stuff that you do for Crow and we do for conversion copywriting. Um, and that's when you'll find those gold nuggets as you did. Like never take it off. Boom. That's the thing that's resonate resonates with your current customers and thus will resonate with prospective customers as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, I think it's. I guess what I want a lot of brands to do is they they get something up on the website, what they think is is the answer, and then they run for it with it, with it for a while. They start to make sales because you know you've got you've got certain people who will buy very quickly, right? They need a little bit of information. They need an image, and they say, "Yeah, cool, happy to give it a go, whatever." So you start getting those sales through, yeah. and so people think, "Well, it's working." You know, this is what people want, and then. Don't really think to go and do that research to see whether it needs changing. It's as far as they're concerned. It's absolutely a common problem. I think it's, I've got no stats on this, but I would, I, I, I would say that it may be the, 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 the biggest issue in marketing is exactly that. It's just, you know, taking this inside out approach, just going along with it and not doing conversion rate optimization, which is, in my opinion, the low hanging fruit of of marketing activity because okay you're making sales what if you can just run some tests gather some data tweak some copy here and there move some things around and you know double your conversion rate right rather than doubling your spend however much you're spending per month on on traffic 5k 10k 100k or more per month imagine if you could just you know spend you know a month or so with people like us and and get double that conversion rate you're gonna get you, you know you're gonna achieve the same amount of revenue without having to double your 
your monthly spend. I think a, a misconception around CRO is a, lo- a lot of brands view it as making kind of more functional changes to a website. Um, and, and that's it. And so that's why so many people, so many brands install loads of apps, loads of widgets for their websites. Um, it's why there are loads of apps out there, like Shopify apps, who say, you know, uh, increase your conversion rate by up to 40% with this shipping timer app. And that's, that's it. And yes, those things do work. But if you haven't convinced someone that the product's right for them and is going to fix their problem, a shipping time is not going to make them buy. And people don't, a lot of brands kind of miss this, miss that point that they haven't sold the product yet. And that's, that's the issue with conversion. They haven't got enough of these, enough of their traffic actually looking at a product, being convinced by that product and then going to buy it. Because really, if, you know, if I if I came up with some magic product that was absolutely one hundred percent going to solve a problem you've got, you will make some effort on that website to buy it. Like yeah. you might jump through a, a few extra hoops. You know, you might be willing to you know have PayPal as the only payment option, or or credit card as the only option. But if you haven't convinced someone about that product, then you can have the smoothest checkout journey. And whatever I mean, but you know, obviously I'm biased, but it's you know, I would have to agree with you. You know, you're almost saying like copy is perhaps more important in that scenario, or at least it's the first step than the than having that perfect UX. And obviously, we both know that it's a combination of everything, right? Yes, it's the visuals, the design, brand, copy. But yeah, I, I think it often that. Um, an afterthought the copy like and and i know agencies that do conversion rate optimization right that's part of what they offer and that doesn't include messaging or copy which i just think is you know pretty odd because well, that's that's yes. the words are what you know speak to customer pain points speak to their designs like help them Give that, give them that confidence that they're, that they're the right fit. Remove those barriers. All the things I talked about, um, and and sort of back to your question: of How do you make people click? I think one thing I maybe missed was, um, was was how do you make them click now, which is important, right? Because that's an action, right? Clicking is an action which needs to be done in the moment. And we've we've talked about confidence, removing barriers, etc. Um, all of that can be done, but. They might think, okay, I like this brand, I like this 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 offer, this product, or you know what what the what the value is on the other side of the of the of the click, but I'll come back to it, right? And so, you know, w- there are things we can do to encourage and call them to action right then and there, and such as create any sense of urgency, create any sense of scarcity. I mean, these will, will come as as no surprises to to marketers and, and probably consumers, right? We see it everywhere. You know, lost um booking.com to go a bit too far, for example, but you know, um you've got Yeah, <laughs> exactly like you've got a natural ecology there. Because in the end of the day, it's basically playing on FOMO, right? We we have a fear of missing out. And so if you think that something yeah. needs to be done kind of then and there um because you're going to miss out on an offer because it's a a timed offer or something or 
you know, there's only X amount of that product left. Um, it will, you know, just motivate people to to click more so then and there. Yeah. Uh, but then the, even then the impact, the impact's going to depend on, yeah. um, on the price of the product, really. Um, if something is a thousand pounds and you tell me there's one in stock and I've got 15 minutes to buy it, that's going to have no impact if I'm not convinced I want to spend a thousand pounds on it. If something's 20 quid, you could probably stick an image on there and I might think, all right, go on then. Um, cause just by looking at it, you get, you'll know what the product yeah. is and what it does. And you say, okay, fine, cool. Do I mean, I, I really look at the, um, the copy and description on Amazon products because normally I go to Amazon. I know what I want. I do my search. I know that majority of those results are going to fit my criteria. So I might have, I might have, I, normally on Amazon, I would look at the functional information, right? Is it, is, does it fit my requirements? I don't use the yeah, same, don't you know, we do write Amazon hiding descriptions and it really depends what you're selling, doesn't it? But I, I would agree for me too, as a consumer, most of the time I don't do that. But what I do do is I, um, I, I look at the, I look at the social proof. I go straight to the, the star rating, I read a few testimonials. I always do that unless it's, you know, something that I really couldn't care to spend a few pounds on. I, you know, I just, I check that because, um, and, and that's again, comes back to that's that crucial element that you, that should be kind of seen. So an interesting thought on that actually. So I would generally, I, I will open up the, um, the products that have a lot of reviews first. Um, particularly if they're kind of four and a half, five star rated. The only times I would look at the reviews though is if I think it's a product that is likely been like mass produced in China, basically. And there's and there's a lot of competition in that space because then I'm actually looking out for the kind of um I don't like the the I guess the bait and hook, is it? That's um um you know where I don't know if you've noticed it. You you can see reviews that are clearly for other products, right? Yeah, because yeah. someone has they've sold a previous product on that page, and now that same product page is being used for a completely different product. So yeah, I I don't know if I was looking at um, a power bank or something, <laughs> and that's a bad example. I don't have an example off the top of my head right now. Um, but so, something that you know there'll be a like ten thousand products or product options on on amazon and i know this is mass produced stuff i know it's not you know yeah. there's no brand that does a particularly amazing version of it but what i would say is you're still yeah you, you know even for the ones that you're not looking at the reviews for you're there's still an element of social proof involved in there because you're going for the 4.5 star ratings right so you are yeah that it's a it's a different format in a sense but you're you're you're, you're still making that shortcut aren't you but it's, it's, yeah, it's what you said earlier, right? It's it's seeing those numbers and going, cool, loads of other people have bought it. Which shows so, how powerful it is. Uh, so you're literally uh, making a purchase decision just on social proof in that scenario, yeah. pretty much, right? It's just that. Um, I just, I want to leave back yeah. to the sense of urgency because I think you said, um, you know, an important thing about whether it's a high consideration decision or low consideration, right? Naturally, low consideration decisions, it is easier to apply let's say these, I don't want to call them cheap sales tricks or sales psychology a little bit more where, you know, it's, it, we're, 
we're not going to be as upset to part with 20 quid as we are with, you know, 200 pounds or two grand. You know, it does, it, there is a difference there. Um, but what I would say is that there are kind of more subtle things you can do, even just by, uh, and let's forget Amazon for a second. Let's say, you know, on your, on your website, e-commerce site, even just by using the word today and now, again, without seeming or looking like a car salesman from, from, from the 90s, you know, it, even that, yeah. and I learned that years ago, prior to, before I even knew what copywriting was, I did um, face-to-face sales in, in Australia, which is actually where I met my wife, who's now our managing director. Um, and we learned sales psychology in the morning, you know, and I was actually one of those annoying people on the streets stopping you, trying to get you to sign up to a charity. So it was, it was, it was for a good cause. I was basically a face-to-face pressure uh, direct response salesperson and just by saying today and lot was something we were taught to do you know oh and social group oh lo- lots of people have been signing up today we've been getting loads of things today 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 and it's kind of almost subliminally it creates a slight sense of urgency just by using those words so without going you know um you know you you've got you know 20 you know i don't know nine hours left to make this purchase uh, which is a bit extra, bit more extreme, and would probably only fit certain products. You can still increase that conversion rate slightly by using certain language that just gives them a bit more of a push, a bit more of a, a call to action. Yeah. So, what one test I'm actually it's gone into the pipeline for a client. So they they produce um, kind of like right. It's like homemade ready meals. Is how I'd describe it. Um. So they're all they're made in the in their kitchen uh, by independent chefs. It's all, all good quality food. I was thinking because um, there's some issues around timing with food, right? If we if we give the wrong message, we can make people think that that food is sat around for a bit, and therefore is it that fresh? So I thought, well, actually, should we put a message on there saying um, like freshly prepared today? And would that make people think, oh, I should buy this today because it's, I should order this today because it's good. Like, I mean, even you saying that right now made me think like at fresh, uh, it made me think of ordering food right now today. Like just that sentence, you literally saying it. Um, so yeah, I, I would say, and if that's what you're trying to do, um, then it, which is probably the case, then yeah, I think it would probably make a difference as you know it's best to test these things, right? Because you can come in with your best, um, you know, your expertise and you can come in with psychology and things that we've seen have worked. But the best way to truly find out is using, you know, your services and and, and, and A-B testing, right? Testing messaging against other messaging. And- yeah, I mean, uh, there have been plenty of occasions where I've been, pr- I've been pretty confident it's going to be a winning test and it hasn't been. Because we've got we got something slightly wrong, and then we retest it and it works um, because we just changed like changed the hook on something or, or whatever. So yes, when I am reasonably confident that saying you know this was this was prepared today um, should boost conversion, I do want to test it. Well, it has to be tested because there is that risk that has a negative impact. Also, another thing to consider is. If that message is not on other products, does it then negatively impact? There, there are many complexities, right, in marketing, and, and you have to consider them all. And there's, there's usually yeah. not like one simple answer, but um, 
that's why we have 13 different lenses which we try to balance but you know i'd say that the approach of starting from a place of insight rather than just assumptions you know taking this outside in approach so talking to your customers understanding you know trying to get voice of customer language review mining if that's where you can get those insights from sending a survey out or 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 buyer interviews, understanding what their perceived barriers are or might be. In the case you just described, you know, if it came up that their common barrier was, well, actually, it feels like that food's been sitting around for a while, then we know that we need to try and preempt it. So start from a place of insight, knowing what those pains are, those desires, those perceived barriers, comparison factors, etc. Then, you know, then you've got like, and I like to say this, when it comes to conversion rate optimization which you know a lot of companies agencies do they they could do a better job of it (laughs) um Uh, there's there's a lot a lot of agencies that chuck it in there as an additional service and they're not doing CRO really they've got a few a few kind of best practices related to the other work that they do which they then call conversion rate optimization and a big issue with that is a lot of the time those are recommendations to it's really not CRO at all, is it? It's just oh, these are best practices. Make these changes. Um, and and what I was going to say is, you know, if you are doing AV testing, which is the right thing to do, split testing, you want to come in with ideally like a really good aim to test against uh, an even better B, right? Rather than a piece of crap against like an even even bigger piece of crap and the way to get there um other than you know best practice and ex you know having experts involved is starting from insight as we said you know those customer interview surveys etc understanding them so that you can come in and, and 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 then you know have a really good first landing page and then and then they be tested and get it even better because that's what you want to do you're trying to optimize to get the best conversion rate possible yeah there's always room for improvement isn't there and that's if that's so that was my, basically what my LinkedIn post today was about. Um, I started off by saying actually that you don't have to do research to get started with testing, but this very much applies to general CRO AV testing rather than copywriting, where I think you're really going to struggle if you don't do that research. Um, but a point I made was that if you if you go down this route of uh, of ignoring the research. You'll be able to throw a few tests out there, make a few little improvements, but then you'll really struggle. You'll really struggle to iterate because you don't actually know what you're iterating for. Whereas once you've done that research, going back to the waterproof jewelry example, um, you know we we might have we might have um, tested oh it's it's tarnish free, or you know the the brand had a couple of ways of talking about it, and we would probably just test it around those. But when we spoke to people. We knew it was you never have to take the jewelry off, exactly. and so that actually gives us that direction for testing. So we will test it quite bluntly. If we get a response to that, we start to refine it from there, and that gives us that long term strategy. Where whereas if you don't do the research, you're going to ha- take a few guesses at it. You might get a winner. You could have gone down the route of you know saying take your jewelry on holiday to the beach. Take your, you know um, because if they were if they said to you waterproof, this is the main feature. You might have explored another benefit of that, you know, go swimming with your jewelry, um, which might be part of the benefit, but the main benefit as 
probably probably just as you said that never take it off like in the shower etc just in your day-to-day never take it off so yeah you're quite right like yeah. it's it what do they say assumptions uh is the mother of all fuck-ups right and and i think it's just <laughs> i think they say that and i'm not, I'm not yeah. saying it now so it's it's i think it's the killer of marketing strategies it's the killer of businesses as well like you know, businesses are built on assumptions. Um, I believe in an outside in approach to to launching a, a business and a startup, like base it on demand and needs and what you and, and insights rather than I know what's gonna work. That's what that's how most people start businesses and that's how most businesses fail. I think this is gonna work. Let me invest in this and then, you know, tumbleweeds because you haven't done that market research. Yeah, it happens a lot. Um you know, if if you knew what works There'd be no need for CRO. There'd be no need for for any sort of testing anywhere. Um, it just it just doesn't work like that. You at, at best, you have a very good idea of the direction that we need to take something in, but it's very unlikely without really researching it and doing that testing that you'll actually work true. out what that message is. True, true. Um, and that leads to, you know, that normally leads to like company-focused messaging, not customer-focused. I did a review of my email, so my, my newsletter that went out this week, I did a, 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 another jewellery brand, actually. And it, they had an email pop-up, which appeared immediately. I think it only asked for your email address, and it was 10% off, and you had two call-to-actions. One was claim my discount or something, and the other was no, I'll pay full price. And I hate that. I hate that so much because it's it's such a company focused approach to it, trying trying to kind of manipulate people into giving their d- data over, rather than positioning it as something that's going to help the customer and, and encouraging them to sign up. It, yeah, and, and yeah, it's one of those things. I, I was really shocked to see it on a website like like that. Actually, I thought this was more of a quite it's a just common um, um, hack, really trick or hack when it comes to uh newsletter subscription pop-up boxes right it's kind of the common one um which again you know i'd love to see the stats on it because we can we can sit here and go you know what i don't like that didn't work on me i didn't really like that but maybe maybe it worked better but then at the same time this is this is again back to the complexities of marketing at the same time, you might be getting a good, a better conversion rate with the people that you're, you, 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 you know, you dripped that email to. But you, what we, what you probably can't tell, and you can't gather data on how much it's tarnishing your brand with the rest of the uh, audience that haven't clicked, like yourself in that situation, and that kind of bad taste is left in your mouth, and and then again, so. We, you can't count, gather data on everything um, like that. You know, sometimes you do have to go with your best guess, but it's just, yeah, the complexities of marketing. It's, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. That's why we're in this game. Yeah. I just don't like for, for many reasons, not just as a, as a potential c- consumer, just as a, as a marketer. And it's just a really yeah, yeah low level tactic. I said I'd be mentioning lenses and one of our 13 lenses is the brand lens, right? And again, 
you know, when we're writing copy and content, shall I explain the 13 lenses briefly? So we've, we've got, we've got a few minutes. Do you want to run through the 13? I'll tell you what, I'll explain the idea behind it and how we names it. Right. And that'll be the teaser. Cause otherwise I'm going to push this way out of, uh, out of time here. <laughs> Cause I've tried, I've done whole podcasts <laughs> and webinars on the 13 lenses. Even that's a stretch 45 minutes on it. So. Just because I've mentioned them a few times, the brand lens being one of yeah. them, it, it's it's almost like thirteen different ingredients in the secret sauce of copy and content, which, which does what you need it to do. So you know, compel, convince, convert, nurture, retain, etc. Um, and what we've done as an agency is that we've kind of taken these overarching lenses. Um, the value lens is one. Um, the brand lens. Uh, the goldfish lens, which is all about UX, the action lens, which is all about conversion, um, the hierarchy lens, which is all about getting your message in the right order, um, the intrigue lens I mentioned, curiosity, etc. Uh, can't remember how many I've said, but what we've done is we've taken these 13 different kind of core categories um, and we've turned it into not just a framework that we can talk about and kind of teach and sort of learn from, internally as an agency but we use it as a a very practical um scoring system so we've we've turned it into more of a scientific kind of checklist if you will um whereby when we're writing a piece of copy for a landing page we can go from one copywriter over to our qa copywriter and they essentially there's a bunch of questions uh, each lens has like three four or five questions and they go yes or no essentially and then there's a score out of a hundred percent so it's 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 turned into something that is not just you know loose methodology but actually very practical tool that we use to make sure we're ticking all the boxes because as i said there's lots of complexities there's lots of ingredients lots of things to blend and get right and you don't want to go too far in any one direction you don't don't just want to focus on the seo lens because then you run the risk of writing for bots and not for humans you know and you don't want to get everything right but not differentiate and that's the zigzag lens and so it's really about balance yeah so that's the 13 lenses yeah in a snapshot no i like that um yes i mean we've got a prioritization model for testing um which i guess is kind of similar um but most of it most of it's a checklist thing right it's did this come from analytics yes cool that's a point did it come from customer feedback yes that's a point is it targeting usability anxiety or motivation and there's points for each of those and i think there's about it's probably about eight different things we score on to decide you know how how we so that's the test all, we think all kind of ip right that's your your process your 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 framework so i would um and this is moving over to kind of b2b agency marketing but I always encourage agencies to take that because every agency worth their salt has something like this, right? A process, a methodology. I try to encourage them to package it up, give it a name, you know, brand it. And then it's just kind of become slightly more solid in a way, like the 13 lenses and it's intriguing and you can talk about it and, you know, um, it's uniquely yours, right? It's uniquely you, which is an important thing. Yeah, no, I do. It's something I need to, to work on for the agency, actually. Get, give it a name and then suddenly it's yeah. it's your equivalent of the 13 lenses yeah awesome we are we are just about out of time um so a couple of quick questions before we end 
Is there anyone in the e-commerce marketing space or, or just someone from a particular brand that you like? Oh, um, Neil Patel is 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 one of my kind of, I've been a fanboy of Neil Patel. Um, not, you know, specifically e-commerce. He's just like a, a great content marketer and SEO, you know, genius. And is always sort of up top ranking for everything that we want to rank for. And, every, and we learn, I learned so much from him just even just through osmosis, just through like, you know, looking at how he does things and going, right, that there's a reason behind that. There's intention behind that. He's, he's, he's split tested that, right. You, you kind of know, so you can learn a lot just from watching some of the best marketers. Um, so yeah, I, if any, I'd say Neil Patel, you know, so if you can, if you can uh, put in, put in a good word for me, Will. <laughs> See what I can do. We're trying to get him on the podcast, actually. Yeah, it's quite difficult, as you can imagine. Uh, just finally, if you got any any tools that you guys use on the um, yeah, I can do. Um, you might be thinking that because of what's happened with ChatGPT and you know the advancements in uh, generative AI, especially language models, you might be thinking that a, a copywriting agency founder like me might be completely against using AI. But what we're doing as an agency, we're really embracing it. Um, and you know, we're, we're using and testing various different tools because we think the future of copywriting will be collaborative, especially content when it comes to long form content, definitely. Um, the future of it is collaborative and we're aiming to kind of work out where the limitations are, where the strengths are. And one tool that we've been using that we really like, our copywriters really like is, is called WordTune. WordTune Spices actually is a new uh, kind of AI powered sort of addition to the tool where it is very much collaborative you can write add a spice so if you're writing some copy of content you want to bring a fact in you add a plus you add a spice and it brings a scans the web brings in a fact you don't like that fact you can go through different facts if you want to bring an analogy in you can if you want to like add a counter argument you can so it's a really cool tool that we're using a lot now um and another one i mean i always like doing keyword research like i always love how the agency started i like digging into keyword research at kw finder which is part of the mangles suite i love just because it's it's just really easy to use it's got a traffic light system like green is good red is bad orange is in the middle and uh one of my favorite well my favorite keyword tool is is kw finder awesome thank you uh if anyone wants to reach out and find out more about the 13 limiters i mean i think to sort of connect with me on LinkedIn is a great place. So, you know, find me on LinkedIn, Conrad. So Conrad of a K, Sanders, without a new. Um, you can follow my content. I'm quite active in there, as you are, Will. Um, and uh, our website is creative-copywriter.net. That's a good place to check out the kind of work we've done for what kind of clients. Um We've got a great blog on there as well. And you should be able to find the 13 lenses there as well. I don't know if you're able to add a link though somewhere, Will, but I can give you a link to this great ebook that we've created on all 13 lenses so you can learn about all of them. And we're giving away that for free. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Comrade. Thanks a lot, Will. Thanks for having me. As we heard from Comrade, there are a bunch of different ways to approach copywriting, different lenses, as he put it, to figure out you know what really matters to your customers and help you craft the language that will get them to take action. But remember, it's not just about copywriting. It's not just the words you put on your website and in your ads. By taking this approach, by really understanding your customers, taking several viewpoints on it and doing this research, you can use the insight you gain from it to develop your entire business. 
If you'd like to hear more from Comrade, you can find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Eli Packhouse joining me. We're going to be talking about crowdfunding and how they've gone about launching InstaFloss. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.